it feels much better to hand that seven, eight thousand dollars over to the contractor with that confidence, knowing that you've done all these financial steps beforehand, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to be worrying about payments for the next 12, 24 months in order to pay off this basement that that I'm working on. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in in five, four, three, two, one. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, 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 journeyers. All right, so we have today on the podcast, Andy Hill. Andy Hill is the host of the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, which was nominated as Best New Personal Finance Podcast back in 2017, and he's still going with amazing content each week. He does interview millionaire entrepreneurs, financial industry executives, personal finance experts, and more to talk about our favorite topic, money. He's a debt-free dad and personal finance teacher. He's always striving to teach about personal finance in a relatable way. He paid off his mortgage and is a full-time entrepreneur. By the way, Andy was on episode 32 of the podcast. So it's crazy because we have over 300 episodes, I believe, at this point, and Andy was way back episode 32, if you want to hear more of his origin story about him paying off or working to pay off his mortgage. I'm not sure if that time you had paid it off yet, Andy. I'm not sure. Yeah, 2017. Maybe I was in the midst of it. Talk about a journey, right? (laughs) So if you want to hear more of his backstory, you can listen to that episode. I'm sure we'll touch upon some things, but here's why I really wanted Andy on the show again. So I, Andy, I follow you. We follow each other. And you posted that you bought a new car or a car that's new to you. And you posted that you drained your taxable account to pay for the new car. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what is the tea? I want to hear all about this because (laughs) (laughs) here is someone who is putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to making lifestyle in the now choices as it relates to their financial independence path. And I wanted to learn more about your decision to do that because I feel like Journey is listening, me even, because I'm actually looking for a car. Uh, we will be soon. Just thinking about how do we think about making these big purchases? How did you decide to do that? And then there's a whole bunch of other things I want to touch upon too. But sure. I, I was like, I got to get Andy on the podcast so we could talk more about this. So welcome back. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, I think that after doing some crazy financial things for a while, some of these bigger decisions like buying a new car can be a little easier. So yeah, I'm happy to talk about it today. Well, it's funny that you say it's easier because, and I want to know why for you it's easier because I could see how for some people it could feel harder um, if you have to switch what your goals were. So I'm assuming, you know, you paid off your mortgage, I think it was in four years or like a short time frame, and um, you were very financial goal minded, it seemed. 
Yeah. And then so now to kind of switch and like take money out of your account to then, you know, put it on a depreciating asset. When you say it's easy, what made it easy? Because in my head, it's kind of hard for me even now. Like I'm like, I want to just like drive my car until it can't drive anymore. I don't know. So what are you you thinking? I hear you. Yeah. I guess I would say that it's it's become easier over time because I think as part of my nature, as I am a saver, I, I take pride in saving and building up my net worth or eliminating my debt or hitting goals like mortgage freedom or Coast Fire. Those are cool, tangible, number-focused goals that I've really put my... I don't know, my self-worth around a little bit where it's like, hey, I feel great and accomplished because of it. I I have no problems with the things that I've done, but I also want to live and maybe share that once you hit these big goals and you have new money coming in and you've hit all those goals, it's time to enjoy the money. It's time to enjoy it and buy the things that you want, whether those are individual products or services or experiences with your family, like the stress and the guilt should wash away because you've checked all those financial boxes. And now I'm going into that part of my life where it's like, okay, we have no debt. We have no mortgage. We've hit coast fire. So we're, our retirement is pretty much taken care of with time and compound interest. So any new money that's coming in, should we enjoy our lives a little bit more? And that's kind of the season we're in right now. I love it. I love it because <laughs> it exactly speaks to the heart of the financial independence journey or just the conscious journey that I think everyone should be on when it comes to money because you've done all or most of the things. Uh, I want to say right, right? Like we all make mistakes, but you've done, there's things you've checked off, like you said. And when it comes to that, like there is room to enjoy and not only enjoy at the end, but while you're doing it, while you're still pursuing your goals. So let's go back now to the decision that you made to drain your taxable account. So talk about, and by the way, uh, Andy just mentioned Coast Fire and some acronyms. We will get into that because I think they're very important to this conversation and as metrics that we all can measure where we are. But I want to go back. Tell me about now when you started to think about buying a car, what were your options? Because as someone who's looking now, you know, the options are, well, you can take out a loan if you find a good interest rate. So that way you're not putting down a lump sum on this asset. So what were your options as you were looking? And then how did you proceed with the option you chose? Yeah. So for a long period of time, we had a taxable brokerage account set aside for what we called early retirement money. So money that we could build up that would allow us to maybe live off of the the interest or you know be able to use it from call it 50 years old to 60 years old sort of a bridge to early retirement or a bridge to retirement and i thought that was a really neat idea a number another numbers focused goal that would help me to hit, you know check a box to say okay i don't have to work anymore at 50 years old what happened over the past couple of years is that i found a job that i really love to go to work to every single day And now that it's been three years of me doing that, the money for early retirement just seemed unnecessary. Uh, It seemed like this is a moment that won't be coming in the future. Sure, it could happen. I I could hate what I do. But if I have money set aside for... I guess, uh, you know, a transition into something new, call that like FU money. There's a lot of acronyms here, but like money that will help tra- transition me into the next thing that I want to do that I might enjoy. Then I don't think I need hundreds of thousands of dollars in a taxable brokerage account to help bridge myself to early retirement anymore. So 
with that insight and actually uh, mostly a kick in, in, the, in the pants from my wife that said, dude, use this body. Enjoy yourself. You've worked so hard. You don't need to early retire anymore. You love what you do. I love what I do. We both work part time. What else do you need this money for? So with that kick of the pants for my wife and just the general progression over the past three years, we decided, hey, we don't need this taxable brokerage account anymore for early retirement. Why don't we use it for something that we'd really enjoy? And for us, that's a family vehicle right now that still looks pretty cool uh, that's electric. So uh, we ended up just uh, draining the $50,000 that we had in our taxable brokerage account and using it to buy a new car in cash, which was a lot of fun. What kind of car was it? It's um, it's a 2023 Ford Mustang Mach-E. And uh, I'm from Detroit and Ford's from here. I know there's a lot of electric car folks out there that uh, really love Tesla. I think Teslas are fantastic, but I really like this Mach-E a lot. So it's great. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll definitely post a picture and have a picture <laughs> in the show notes so you guys can see Andy's cool new car. When you said you took out $50,000. So yes. here's the other thing, right? I, we can't help, especially me. Like I can't help but weigh the finances, the the numbers of things. Right. So the cost of taking that out, I, you know, so just to be clear, it's a non-retirement account, yes. the taxable account. So there are no penalties when you took that money out, but you had to pay something on those, the money you took out. Right. Like what was that? There will be some tax ramifications in the upcoming tax year for any gains that I had. But uh, in the means, it's not going to be that much. It might be a couple thousand bucks. So we're planning for that in the tax return year next year. But all in all, between the $50,000 we had in our taxable brokerage account and the other $10,000 we had saved for the car fund, it was enough for us to pay for it in cash. Right. So it sounds like you did the calculation. So you understand the and like what you need to pay back. So I think this is just important, just in case anyone is considering doing something like this, is to think ahead and model out what you may owe, like if you did have a taxable account that you were going to take from to do something like this, or even not that I want someone to do this, I would actually advise not to. But if you were taking money out, even of your retirement account for an emergency, it's just to look at what it's going to cost you to do that, just so you are aware of it and you understand the tax implications and fees and penalties, if there are any. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially, definitely want to caveat again, it's not retirement account. This is early retirement, taxable brokerage, not 401k, not IRA, not even HSA. This is a taxable brokerage account. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Think, of, think of it almost as like it's set aside money as a savings account, but within uh, within the stock environment. So, Right, right. Now, did you look at the option of what if you took a lump sum of that money, not all of it, and put down and then took out a loan to uh, be able to cover the rest of the money. And then that way your money could have stayed in the market and earned more, right? Did you do that calculation? Candidly, I did not because I don't really want to have car payments. I used to have a lease car and that was fine back then. Uh, But I feel like uh, payments for me are a weight on my shoulders that I don't want back again. So uh, paying off our mortgage is another example of something that maybe isn't mathematically optimal, uh, especially our mortgage was 3% when we paid it off. But psychologically and emotionally, it was massively optimal for our lifestyle because I have financial anxiety when it comes to these types of things. And if I have too much mortgage, if I have too much student loans, if I have too many lease payments, I have too many subscriptions to online services, whatever, all of it just feels overwhelming to me. So I like to simplify things as much as possible. Now, is it the most mathematically optimal? Probably not. 
it feels really good. See, and here's the thing, though, Andy, you know yourself and you know what you're able to handle, which I think is really important for you to figure out when you're on this journey, because for some people, they're fine with a payment, but mathematically it working out because they can earn that money in the market and investing it. And that's fine. They're okay with that risk. It's very evident, you know, that you are not because of how quickly you pay down your mortgage. And I mean, it allows you to be what I like to call financially fluid, like inflexible, So it makes sense that you're this way and, you know, it translated over to like a car because what you even need to earn. I love to, we'll talk about this, but as, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you can even be more agile, right? With what you bring in, because you you don't have to cover as many expenses as the person who has the mortgage, the car note, the lease, all these things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, And becoming a, or learning to become a business owner for the past three years full time has been a journey in itself. I've learned a lot, but gotten to a point now where I feel stable and happy with the type of work I can do. And as you're, as you point out, if things aren't that great, I have the ability to flex how much I pay myself versus how much I increase my pay. So a lot of flexibility as a business owner, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So some self-reflecting questions if you're listening and you're thinking about doing something like this. Also planning out. So I feel like it's important to note that you didn't just like wake up, find the, you know, get into personal finance and find the financial independence movement and pay off your mortgage and buy a car in cash and make all these decisions in one year or less. Like this has been a journey in the making, right? You're still on the journey. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this started when my wife and I got married 13 years ago. So we had we had student debt, we had car debt, uh, all the way to spending all of our money at that that point. But over the 10, 13 years that have passed now, we grew our net worth from negative $50,000 to over a million dollars. And then we're able to eliminate our mortgage and then hit these great retirement goals. And that's really helped us to have a little bit more flexibility and reduced financial anxiety in order to make big decisions like this. I think sometimes when we talk about buying a flashy car and cash, that can that's maybe all people here, as opposed to the entire journey of getting there and almost getting the mental permission to allow yourself to buy that car and cash, right? Right. Now, I know I definitely know we talked about this more in your original episode on episode 32, but I do want to just touch upon what made this possible for you. Uh, maybe we should just talk about just like a general profile so people have an idea. Like, uh, I know you're married with kids, right? Mm-hmm. Hence yes. the name of your brand and <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but how many kids do you have? Where do you live? And then I know that your I believe your wife still works. And then you're a full-time entrepreneur. Yes, yes. So uh, I host uh, a podcast called Marriage, Kids, and Money. It's focused on helping young families build wealth and happiness with the podcast, which Jamelia and I kind of started around the same time. That's why we have a, a good bond. I've built that into a content platform that is family wealth and happiness focused. So with that, I'm able to earn enough money to live my life. Uh, Right now, I pay myself about an $80,000 a year salary as a employee of my company. And I've been doing that for uh, the past three years full-time, six years part-time. And then, uh, yes, I live in Michigan. My wife is named Nicole, and she works part-time as an esthetician. So that's like facial care. I'm still learning a lot about it, about her new uh, adventure. And she loves it, which has been great. So we're both in these sort of part-time roles. And then I have an 11-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son. When you talk about Coast Fire, let's get back into that. Yeah. Because I feel like we we have similar or, or I, I realized and you said publicly that you kind of changed your mind about like pursuing financial independence in the 
pure form that it's presented. And I want you to talk a little bit more about that and why you switched paths or, you know, you've, you adjusted your journey to something that's more sustainable for yourself. That sounds good. Yeah. Originally, uh, in the beginning, I had a career and a career path that was good for me. I was a young 20-something and I liked traveling. I worked in corporate event marketing, so I got to travel around the globe, get to go to cool events, which is neat. Then I got married and then I had kids and I had people that I wanted to be around more. I didn't want to work on the weekends and nights and stuff like that. So my job quickly became less of something that was fun and enjoyable and more of a burden and keeping me away from the people that I love. But I was stuck. I was stuck at that point. I needed to make that money to pay for the lifestyle that my wife and I had. So I needed all 100% of that. As we continued to learn about personal finance and ways that we could optimize our finances, we figured out ways to save a lot more as I increased my income. So there was a period of time from maybe 10 years where we saved 50% of our income. And to me, that felt fine and normal because I wanted out. That was I want. I wanted to save so much that I could get out. And that's sort of the crux of financial independence, the FIRE movement is save aggressively now so that you can have decades of complete freedom. And over time, again, that was fine for me because I don't mind depriving myself as much. But my wife was like, hey, pal, like we got to live today too, man. We're in our 30s. We got young kids. Let's have some fun. It's not all about maximizing tax advantaged retirement accounts, pal. You know, And I'm like, you're right, but I got to get out of this thing and I want to save up enough so we can get rental properties and that way we can have enough to maximize our you know, passive income. And she's like, buddy, we're, we're at a crossroads here. So actually, this kind of led to a lot of marital fights and we ended up going to marriage counseling because of it, because it was one of those things we just did not see eye to eye on. And through the marriage counseling, which was about six to nine months of us going there and really taking time to speak to each other on a one-on-one basis and really breaking away from little kids that want all of your attention was... From my side, I had a job that I didn't like and I I wanted to get out of it. And then on my wife's side, she wanted to enjoy more life today. These are two both very reasonable things that we were working on together. So through marriage counseling, through a little bit of, you know, me letting go a bit, we realized that why don't I just take this leap into entrepreneurship and try to do something that I might like? And maybe we won't be saving as much money, but the way we're saving money now, we're pretty much going to be able to have these jobs that we want to have and enjoy the life we have without saving 50%. So we didn't really have a need to save and invest for early retirement anymore because we had done so well for that 10 10 years period of time. We paid off our mortgage. We saved up to uh, around that time about a half a million dollars in our retirement accounts. So when we talk about Coast Fire, that's essentially just letting time and compound interest let your retirement accounts grow. And doing some calculations, we said, wow, if we don't put nearly anything in there anymore, it's going to allow us to retire comfortably in our 60s. So with those epiphanies and my wife's encouragement, it was just like, all right, why not? Why not? Why don't we do this? We've done a lot of the great things. We've checked the boxes. And why don't we try to enjoy more life today while doing work that we enjoy today? Right, right. And so the Coast Fire, it's funny, I'm you know working and finalizing edits to my book. Well, kind of just in that editing phase. And one of the concepts or things I'm talking about is coast fire, of course, and how to measure that. And the idea is that you can coast, you know, you don't have to put your income that you're bringing in into long-term retirement investing or long-term financial goals. You can use it on your current 
lifestyle and or financial goals you have today or the short term goals, which frees up a lot of money. So it allows you to actually earn less and have more flexibility in your life. So, you know, it's funny because as you talk about not liking your job, which I feel like most people who join the financial independence, retire early, the fire movement, that's usually the motivation. It's like that's that I hate my job. I don't like my job or commute and they want out which was mine, <laughs> motivation. And then I think really ultimately is about just finding something you enjoy doing in the meantime until you reach your level of financial independence. Now, here's where you and I differ, which I love. I love talking about this because we are in similar spaces. You have your own business content platform. You know, I consider myself journey to launch a content platform and a writer and all these things. And I love how you're so secure in feeling like and knowing like you want to do this until you you reach standard retirement age. And here's why knowing yourself is so important because while if I could do what I do now and not, you know, and, and, you know, I don't need to earn millions, but let's just say I earn what I'm earning now until I'm 60. Like I'm fine to do this too. Cause I feel like I have a very balanced life of work and fun. I feel like most of the time I'm, I'm actually doing other things than working, which feels great. But in my head still, I still have this not fear, but I still don't want to have to do it. You know, like I still don't want to have to, you know, let's just say next year or two years. I'm like, you know what? I love Journey to Launch, but I want to take a break from the podcast. I want to be able to do that. Right. And so in my head, even though I feel like I found something that I really enjoy and brings value, I still have that goal of reaching financial independence, which puts a little bit more pressure on me, you know, before the standard retirement age, because I'm like, well, then that means I need to figure out a way to save and invest more. Or, but I still want to live my life because like you, I have a partner who's like, I'm trying, you know, what are we like? We're working hard for what? Let's buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. 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 So I love to like talk a little bit about that. Like, is there any fear that you will in two years wake up and not want to do that? And how do you do this? And how are you thinking about that? Okay. Well, may- maybe I could be successful in this episode and maybe you and your husband can get a car if I explain it well enough. Here we go. So, so what I, what I think is that I totally agree with you. I- I'm afraid that in a couple of years, I might be old news. People don't want to hear what I have to say anymore, right? You know, this is neat, all this marriage, kids and money stuff. But now your kids are off to college. What do you have to say about marriage, kids and money, right? So yeah, there's a fear that maybe I won't get hired or I won't make any money or I'll get sick of it, right? And that can happen with a lot of jobs. What I would love to encourage you and maybe your listeners to consider is instead of amassing hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars in either real estate or or uh, stocks, that we consider the FU money as the bridge to something new, to something better for that sabbatical that you might need to bridge you into the next thing. Because I've talked to a lot of retirees that have ceased working and they are really looking for some sort of purpose and meaning. And I know that for a lot of people who've been working hard for financial independence, you're like, yeah, proof. I want to I try that, Andy. I want to try not working and see how much I hate it, right? But I think that if we can give ourselves just a pause, some time to reflect on what we want to do next, whether that's now in our 30s or 40s or in our, later on in our 50s and 60s, if we allow ourselves to do that with a big bucket of money, like call it a $50,000 or $100,000 saved up that will give you that bridge to say, what do I want to do next? And breathe for a month, 10 months, you know, two years, whatever you decide that, that break is, 
use that time to decide what you want to do next instead of staving hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars to to early retire. That'd be my my counter argument. <laughs> no, it's it's really great because it's a reminder, which I preach and talk about all the time. And I do believe is that while you're on this path, it's about who you're becoming while you're doing it. Like I always say, we are our best assets. You know? Yes. Anything can be taken away from us or, you know, in terms of market crashes, not to be all negative, but you just never know, right? Sure. But if we have been uh, building ourselves up, learning concepts, paying off debt, investing, doing things, becoming entrepreneurs or side hustling and trying new things, like the skill sets we obtain they will always be of a benefit to us to help us in the next phase of our life, even though we don't know what that may be. So in my case, even though sometimes I get a little worried because I am like, I, I take risk. I'm a calculated risk taker, but I do like to have like, I like things that are, or are sure, you know, or I know that there is stability. But realizing that now that I'm like 40, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm 40. But <laughs> now that I'm 40 in all the years of my life, <laughs> that I'm never gone without or I've never lacked, even at the stages where I didn't know what, what I was going to do or things didn't work out in the way I wanted. Like I've, I've always been okay. And I think uh, hindsight helps to give you a foresight. Mm -hmm. And if we can remember that about our journeys and realizing like how far we've come, what we've accomplished and that whatever is to come, we can handle. That definitely like makes me feel better because, you know, yeah, what if maybe my mind changes about what I'm doing now, but that's okay because at that point in time, I'll figure it out, right? Yeah. Like, I don't if need it to were somebody else something. and it weren't Jamila Souffrant, then I'd say, well, maybe don't go off and buy the car. <laughs> but you you have such incredible financial responsibility in your life. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners that are listening to your show have also gained that financial confidence and financial security because of what you've preached over the past five, six years, seven years you've been doing the show. So <laughs> I'm all for it, man. <laughs> Well, you know, we're definitely looking into getting cars, yo. So that is something we're doing. It's just about finding the right one. So I'd love to hear. So just, you know, maybe someone else is looking at buying cars now. What are some of the things that you've considered when looking at cars? What are some car buying tips to help us as we, we're looking for some cars? Sure. Yeah, I'll just talk, I'll talk, talk about my experience. Uh, and, and yes, it, it, it goes from a wide spectrum. I'll say the first spectrum is drive the thing you've got, Andy, until it just blows up or just grow, it goes into the ground. And I did. I had that for about 14 years. I had my Audi 2010 Audi A4 or 13 years. Uh, and it was fine. It was fine, you know, but there was little $1,000 fix here, $2,000 fix there because it's, it's a German automotive car that needs these luxury parts and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, oh, my God, I just don't want to deal with this thing anymore. OK, so there was the option one was just stick with what you have and pay for those things. Option two was buy another slightly used car, maybe three to five years old. That's when the depreciation. So you, you buy that car right off the lot and then it drops big time, the value of it. So if you can buy a car, maybe after somebody's three-year lease or you know if they've had it for five years, you can get a really good deal on a low mileage vehicle that will you know still allow you to be driving something reliable without all these constant fixes. So that was sort of level two. And then level three, the totally irresponsible one that I chose to do was to buy a brand new car off the lot using an app on my phone and then or <laughs> and picking the exterior and interior that we want uh, on the phone and then just hitting the button. So I feel like there are three levels there that a lot of people could choose based on your comfort level with your personal finances. And then obviously, there's millions of levels in between. You can finance the vehicle. I, I like buying in cash because 
it just eliminates one less thing that I have to deal with later on. You know, it's it, it feels like if I were to go on a vacation today and then pay payments on it, then I'm still paying for that vacation maybe two years from now being like, oh man, I wish I wouldn't have bought this car that's still having trouble. So I like no payments, but that's just my methodology. So if you're driving an old car right now and you're thinking of maybe upgrading, maybe looking at a, a mid, mid-level of like, hey, can you buy a slightly used car? We, we did our, our last one on Carvana and we got a, a, two, a three-year-old Acura MDX. It's fantastic. We still love it. We're still driving it around. But that was sort of that middle ground of you know buying something slightly used at a better deal, uh, but still a very reliable and comfortable. So that's 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 my current uh, shopping experience with cars lately. <laughs> I would love to know. So you did you go into a de- you went into a dealer, right? For this current purchase, I did not. I did not. I saw a bunch of them on the road, and I thought they looked cool. And then I bought it on my phone. It was extremely irresponsible. I would not recommend that to anybody. <laughs> but man, I love it. <laughs> I I love this because I was going to ask you how from my experience of buying back when we bought our cars. Like eight years ago, we, we, it was, they were used, but we, we paid it in cash and the deals were so annoyed. I just could tell they were annoyed because they wanted us to like do a loan and we're like, no, we have the cash, like just take the cash. So I was going to ask you what they thought, like they probably wanted when you came in and said you just wanted to buy cash, like if they tried to discourage you from doing that. Yeah. Yeah, there there was surprise. It was like, okay, so uh, you know, do you want to jump on the payment plan? Or here's here's some details about the payment. I'm like, no, 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 I'm just paying for it in cash. Uh, and they're like, oh, okay. And so I had to go get the cashier's check specifically from my bank and bring it over there. There was a lot of pride in that, being like, I'm paying for this whole thing with cash, man. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's a flex. It feels good doing things like that. Like that to me is, you know, which is why you got to understand like what brings, what makes you feel like you're flexing or feel good about yourself. And situations like that where I'm like, you know, buying something that's a lot of money in cash or being able to pay. I remember, so when we talk about doing things that seem reckless (laughs) or spending a lot of money, sometimes I feel like our, we, we recently did over our basement. And I feel like it was definitely, as any construction or renovation, like so much more money than we thought. And when I think about it too much, I'm like, wow, we could have like, this money could have like bought us a new like condo somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> but it felt so good when I was making those payments in cash. And like, you know, sometimes like payments were like seven, 8,000 to the contractor to buy materials. I'm like, here's the cash. That felt good. Um, but it's that idea. And, you know, just to go back for someone listening who may be in this position where they want to do things like that and they can't yet going back to the fact that uh, there were sacrifices that I've made. I'm sure Andy, that you made to be able to be in the position to do some of this now. And so if you find that you're not there yet, it doesn't mean that you won't be there ever. It's just there are things to do first so that you can be able to do some of this stuff later. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would, I would say it's, it feels much better to hand that seven, $8,000 over to the contractor with that confidence, knowing that you've done all these financial steps beforehand, instead of saying, okay, I'm going to be worrying about payments for the next 12, 24 months in order to pay off this basement that, I, that I'm working on. Absolutely. Having, that, having done the steps beforehand is crucial to have that financial confidence and lack of financial anxiety as well, which is great. We got to keep that away from our, our shoulders because it really weighs you down. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about what it takes to get here, you know, I'm all about enjoying the journey as we go. But I just, I just feel like sometimes there's, we're not. Some people are not telling the truth about the hard work it takes because we don't want to talk about hard work anymore. And I agree. Like I don't think things should be uh, to the point where they're painful 
or it's unsustainable, right? Or you're miserable doing it. I mean, that's what my book is all about. It's like finding joy and enjoying the journey. But like, let's be real. When I think about people like Beyonce, <laughs> I don't know how much of a Beyonce fan you are, Andy, but Beyonce, when she first started out, like she hustled, like so there was like a tweet or something going around. Like when she was first starting out in music, like she worked, she did every interview she did. She worked nonstop, like doing tours when new things were coming out for, I don't know how many years. And now she's at a point where she doesn't do any interviews. She hardly promotes her album. She just drops it and people buy it. Right. And That's a great example. <laughs> We can all be Beyonce, but there's a level of, you can look at, you know, an artist could look at Beyonce now and be like, well, I want to be able to just drop an album. And it's like, no, but you don't understand the work she did to get to the point to do that, right? That is a great example. Yeah, she put in all the work for decades. And so now she can enjoy the spoils of just doing it in the relaxed fashion and still kill it. Yeah, yeah. So Andy, tell us what's next for you. What other goals are you kind of just working on financially with your business and where everyone can find you if they want to learn more? Yeah. At this point in our journey between my wife and I, we're really turning our focus towards our kids and building generational wealth for them to just make this journey slightly easier for them, but also to give them the tools so they don't mess it up, you know, give them the tools so that they are, they are learning, they understand how to do it and how to move forward. So with that, I'm actually launching a course called Make My Kid a Millionaire. It comes out actually next week. It helps parents to help their children uh, grow generational wealth and happiness. And I'm excited about launching that one. And you can find more on my website at marriagekidsandmoney.com. And that is where you can find me. Awesome. And your podcast again is called? Yeah. Podcast is called Marriage, Kids, and Money. You can find it on any podcast player. If you're listening to this show, just type in Marriage, Kids, and Money into your favorite podcast player. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andy. This was great. Thank you. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.